Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Welcome to my world. As you know, I'm quite keen on comic books, especially the ones about superheroes. You've changed things. Forever. There's no going back. See, to them, you're just a freak, like me. <laughs> yes, I am the freak, and another freak is right next to me. Jeremy! Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Hunted, despised, living like an animal. The jungle is my home. That's right. It's Florida. It's the jungle. That is my home. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am hunted and I am despised. And Kimmy's the one that's liked. I'm just the one that they light torches and have pitchforks for and chase me to the windmill all the time. Don't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. Welcome to a Saturday. It is a May 6th. And what is today, Kimmy, in the world of comic books? Free Comic Book Day. You heard right. For those who don't know about this, it is Free Comic Book Day. Go to a participating comic book store throughout the nation and get yourself some free comics. That's right. Get yourself some free comics. Now, some stores will have a limit. They might have like three. Some might have five. It it all varies. And if you need to find a comic book store near you, we have a comic book shop locator right on our website. You know, put in your zip code and you will find one. Isn't Mm -hmm. that kind of cool? Yeah. So get your comic books today. You know, there are some people, and we do not recommend this. We kind of like to park ourselves at, you know, one place. But there are those who do the comic book travel. Mm-hmm. And we've actually seen them get kind of frustrated, too, when they can't get out of the parking lot fast enough. Remember that? They're honking horns and stuff like that because they're trying to get to the other comic book store. Mm. Oh, yeah, we've seen that before. So if you are participating in the, in, in, you know, in the comic book store crawl, if you are participating in that, Please act nicely. Be nice. Right? Mm-hmm. It's all supposed to be for fun. And it was originally designed to encourage reading, especially for the young, and to get people to go into a comic book shop, maybe never been in one, or, and here was the other part, those who had maybe grown up with comic books and no longer read them to come back into. There's something for everyone, all ages, at your local comic book shop. So check out the link available right on our website, RileyandKimmy.com. Find that comic book shop and have at it, right? Mm-hmm. Just play nice. That's the key, right? Play nice. Be a superhero yourself. You know, act responsibly and all that stuff. And by the way, feel free to share with us how your comic book day adventure went, your free comic book day adventure. You can just message us right on Facebook, correct? That's right. I'd like to know. About, hey, if you got any photos or anything, just you know, let us know. Mm-hmm. Cosplay is welcomed at stores and stuff like that, or your favorite comic book superhero nerd t-shirt. Bring those two, correct? 
Yeah. It's free comic book day. More details available right on our website, RileyandKimmy.com. That's the place where you can find the comic book shop locator. It is a Saturday, a cartoon alternative. And Kimmy, I thought just for the fun of it, because, you know, cartoons, you know, they're not really played anymore. Not really on the, they're not on the big, big three networks or four at all. I mean, they used to be a long time ago, the way we uh, grew up. And so many who listen to the Riley and Kimmy show, because even like 20, 30 years before our time, the cartoons were on TV on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. And for a number of years after our time, too, meaning when we weren't real little eating and you know, in front of the TV set with our bowl of cereal and watching cartoons. So just for the fun of it, I have a mystery cartoon audio bite here because it is a Saturday cartoon alternative show here on the Riley and Kimmy show. Kimmy, identify the mystery cartoon. Are you ready with your sound bite here, your audio bite? Yes. Tell me the cartoon, and I know you watched it. I'm not using something. I'm not trying to throw you here. This is something you know. Tell me the name of the cartoon on this cartoon alternative day. Here's your audio clue. Okay, Kimmy, that is your audio clue. What is the cartoon? The Jetsons. Oh, no. I pressed the wrong button again. That's right. Kimmy's exactly right. It is the Jetsons. I knew you watched that one. Mm-hmm. And if you take a look at the original run of the Jetsons, there, there were very few episodes, actually. It's under 30, the, mm. the original wow. episodes. But they ran it. From the 1960s all the way into the 80s. Mm. And so, and I like the original set. I've seen some of the others that they, you know, came up with. But I love the original Jetsons. Mm -hmm. Who was your favorite character on the Jetsons, Kimmy? Rastro. Oh, Astro. Kimmy loved Astro. Yeah, I have to agree. I think he he was my favorite. Mm -hmm. Number two, maybe uh, the robot, Rosie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Would you go up in those tubes that they used to use, go from the garage to the... You know, the mm-hmm. suction tube? Sure. You'd go in a suction tube like that and be like a big mm-hmm. vacuum cleaner and brought right up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that is our Saturday morning cartoon alternative moment. That That's it right there. All Join right. us again for another cartoon alternative moment as we go back in time with the Riley and Kimmy show. And by the way, tell your friends you found a place that does that. We focus on the world of nostalgia and retro. We are your pop culture escapism source daily nerd talk show that's right i should add variety a daily nerd variety talk show please like our facebook page tell your friends about it share it with them you can find links to social media facebook twitter instagram youtube and so many others on our website and what is our web address kimmy rileyandkimmy.com Kimmy, it's a Saturday. It is free comic book day. The question for you is, are you ready and able to play nerd and pop culture geek trivia? Oh, absolutely. It's a Saturday, May 6th. It is free, 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 free comic book day. That's right. And we're going to be asking Kimmy some questions from the timeline. Feel free to shout out answers to her if you think she just might well, might be missing something or going to miss it or is struggling. We believe in time, travel answers. So yell at whatever computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on because we are mobile. We are global. You can listen to us on that tablet, that desktop, that laptop, that smartphone. That's right. Take us along. Spend some time with us. Escape with the Riley and Kimmy show. 
Give me the years, 1835. The New York Herald is published for the very first time. It was 1889. The Universal Exposition opens in Paris, France, marking the dedication of this big object, this huge, tall structure. Can you tell me what the name of that structure is? Eiffel Tower. Wow, you are with it, Kimmy. Thank you for paying attention to the Riley and Kimmy show. And it was also an exposition where the first automobile in Paris was shown. It was a Mercedes-Benz. That was in 1889. It was 1915. Babe Ruth hit his first major league home run while playing for the Boston Red Sox. 1940, the Pulitzer Prize is awarded to this author for Grapes of Wrath. Who is the author, Kimmy? We're testing you now to see if you paid attention to previous episodes of the Riley and Kimmy Show where we've talked about this author. Grapes of Wrath made into a great film that I'm not even sure if you've seen it or not. But who was the author? 1940 Pulitzer Prize goes to this author for Grapes of Wrath. Well, yeah, I should know that one. Yes, Kimmy should have. But I don't. Kimmy, that was John Steinbeck. Okay. So for your reading assignment, please, please read John Steinbeck. So on his date, 1941, Bob Hope gave his first USO show. That happened in California. 1946, this baseball team became the first major league baseball team to travel by airplane. What team? The Yankees. You're right. Congratulations on that one. Thank you. The year 1957, Kimmy, this United States senator was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for his book, Profiles in Courage. Tell me the name of the United States Senator who would... Um, ooh, John Glenn? No. Who would become United States President in the not-so-distant future. The year is 1957. JFK? That's correct. John Fitzgerald Kennedy is awarded the Pulitzer Prize. It was on his date, 1959, the Pablo Picasso painting of a Dutch girl was sold for $154,000 in London. Does not sound like a lot. I, I, I understand that now. But it was the highest price paid at that time for a painting by a living artist. Picasso was alive. It was on his date, 1965, this member of the Rolling Stones, began writing Satisfaction in a Florida hotel room. Who is it? Mick Jagger. Wrong. Keith Richards. Yes, that's correct. 1965 is when that happened. It was 1994. Former Arkansas state worker Paula Jones filed suit against the governor of Arkansas. Well, he was former governor. He was in another position at this time. The case alleged that he had sexually harassed her in 1991. Who did she bring this suit against? Bill Clinton. That's right, 1994. It was 1994 Pearl Jam filed a complaint with the United States Justice Department. They did this against someone. Tell me whom the charge was. The company, this company, had a monopoly on concert ticket business. Ticketmaster? Yes, 1994 Pearl Jam. It was on his date, 1997. Four healthcare companies agreed to a settlement of six hundred million dollars this was to hemophiliacs who had contracted aids from tainted blood between 1978 and 1985 
1999, a parole board in New York voted to release Amy Fisher. She had been in jail for seven years for shooting her lover's wife, Mary Jo what, in the face? Betafuco? Yes. Amazing. So on this date in 2002, this superhero movie became the first movie to make more than $100 million in its first weekend. Tell me the movie, the year, 2002. Iron Man? That would be a little bit later. That's 08, if I remember correctly. The Hulk. It's 2002. It's before that one. This character... Batman. This character climbs walls. Spider-Man. Yes, the Tobey Maguire films. Spider-Man, 2002. In 2005, in Augusta, Georgia, a statue of James Brown was unveiled... The bronze life-size statue was to commemorate Brown's musical accomplishments. 2013, this retailer became the largest company by revenue on Fortune 500's list. Can you tell me the name of that retailer? No. Yes, you can, Kimmy. It's a very big place to get groceries and other type of items. Walmart? Yes, the W store. You're correct, 2013. Moving over to celebrity and notable birthdays, Kimmy. He was born in 1856, died in 1939 at the age of 83, a psychiatrist called the father of psychology, also known as the founding father of psychoanalysts. Can you tell me who it is? Freud? Yes, Sigmund Freud, born 1856. He's on this date. Let's just see how well you know your classic cinema. He was born in 1895, died at the age of 31 in 1926. An actor, an estimated one Hundred thousand people lined in the streets of Manhattan to pay their respects at his funeral. Now, at the funeral home, suicides of despondent fans were reported. Windows were smashed as fans tried to get in. An all-day riot erupted because of his death. Who is that classic individual from the world of silence? He was Mr. Romance. Valentino? That's right. Rudolph Valentino. Born 1895. Next person, we have an audio clue for you, Kimmy. Born 1915. Are you ready for your audio clue? Mm-hmm. He's done a film that is consistently ranked as one of the all-time greatest films of all time. Here he is talking about... His love of radio. Yeah, a lot of people can't read. You know, reading on radio is another talent. People can, Some people can ad lib and some people can't. And some people can read a script and make it sound like they're making it up. And other people take a long time. Larry Olivia, for example, is a terrible radio actor. Yes, he needs his three or four days. His first readings are very mysterious. You think, that's Sir Lawrence, is it, you know? And I had him on the radio several times. And the first time, we had an old radio actor called Ray Collins who came up to him said, uh, didn't I see you on Big Sister? That was a soap opera, you know? And he came up to me later, Collins, and says, this poor fellow doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe we better help him out a little. Because he was nervous about reading the words off the page, which is a special thing. We all... Dramatically, it was, I don't think there's any medium better because it, uh, first of all, it did what television doesn't do. It made people listen and pay attention because as we are talking, 
the great majority of our public may well be wandering about the room or up to something else. On radio, they couldn't follow it at all unless they were really following it. The master of the theater of the mind. Who is that that was born on this date, Kimmy? Orson Welles. That's right, born 1915. Now, my question for you is, what decade did he pass away? The original choice to be Darth Vader, too, and he declined it. 1980s. Yes, he did. He passed away in 1985 at the age of 70. Next person, Willie Mays, having a birthday today. How old is Willie Mays within five years? 85. Interesting. You almost got it, but you do get it with a five-year buffer. He's 86 today. Moving over to the music world, identify who this singer is, this musician who's having a birthday, and tell me the name of the song from 1976 we're giving you a little sample of. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And pouring song her own, sitting way up high Who is that, Kimmy? Bob Seger. And what's the name of the song? Night Moves. Working on a night move. Trying to make some front page driving news. Do you have that on vinyl? Um, I might. Okay. Never reached number one on the Pop 100. It did not hit. It hit number four. It was close. That's 1976. Bob Seger and Night Moves. Next person, actor having a birthday. Tell me who he is. Got got his notoriety in the facts of life. Then became a star on ER. And then did, did the movies Batman and Robin and Ocean's Eleven. Who is he and how old is he within five years? George Clooney. Um, 58. You are very close. He's 56 today. See if you can identify who she is. Brief clue. Having a birthday. And then tell me how old she is. She was an actress in G.I. Joe Retaliation in 2013. She was the bad one in John Wick in 2014. She played Ms. Perkins. And I was upset they bumped her off. I would have loved to have seen her in John Wick 2. And she played on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from 2014 to 2016. Who is she? Mm, I can't think of her name. Adrian. Palicki. Okay. And how old is she today? Um, 30. She is 34, and there is some test footage somewhere of her where they tried to reboot or try to do Wonder Woman TV show, and she was cast as Wonder Woman. You can see her in the outfit and everything. It should be out there somewhere. Hmm. I wish some convention would bring her around in, mm. in, in the greater Orlando area. I think that'd be great. Wouldn't you? You'd like to meet her, wouldn't you? Sure. Photo op, whole thing, right? Yeah. Oh, come on. Take a look at the wall behind us without naming names. You've had some photo ops, drug me for some photo ops. You owe me at least a couple, mm. right? Yeah. Okay. Moving over to another section. I see dead people. Celebrity deaths, notable deaths, 1862. Henry David Thoreau passes away. Tell me what he is known for occupation-wise. Why is he famous? I don't know. He was a United States writer. Walden Pond, one of his big things, dies at the age of 44. The year is 1919, and this person passes away. Oz? Oz? <laughs> That's just a fairy tale. It's best left on the bookshelves where it belongs. He was the author of Wizard of Oz, dies at the age of 62. Tell me his name. I'll accept his last name. 
I don't know. L. Frank Baum, 1919. You're being yelled at right now. Can you hear it? Mm. Yeah. Okay. I take it you never read any of the Oz books, correct? Mm-mm. All right. It was on this date, 1992. Marlena Dietrich passed away, actress, at the age of 90. Kimmy, I think you did a one interesting job on this free comic book day. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. And, you know, just because you were a willing participant, I will get you some comic books today. I'm just distracted because it's free comic book day. Well, Kimmy, you did such a great job. I'm going to get you some free comics today. How's that? Thank you. Yeah, that's because you did so well on this episode of Trivia. Hmm. I'm going to get you some free comics, free comic books, okay? <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Right now, we're going to go back in time and honor something from Trivia. We're going to go back in time to the days of Orson Welles. You heard him talk about radio. Well, let's listen to when the master was at the height of his craft. We have a couple examples of Orson Welles' work. One of them is Donovan's Brain Part 1, and we actually have Donovan's Brain Part 2. That's right, Part 1 and Part 2 of Donovan's Brain from 1944 will kick off the old-time radio set with Orson Welles. Followed by the most dangerous game, and if you follow the Zodiac Killer, you'll know how that is kind of important in the world of the Zodiac studies, because it influenced the Zodiac Killer, the movie did, the book did, and probably the radio show. Here's Orson Welles kicking things off with Donovan's Brain Part 1, followed by Part 2, and then going into the most dangerous game on the Riley and Kimmy Show. As I sit now outside my laboratory door writing under the heading Experiment 87, this final entry in my casebook, I know that these are the last words I shall ever write upon this earth. I neither ask nor expect forgiveness now or hereafter, but for those who seek some explanation, I refer them simply to this casebook. Let them read it carefully from its first entry on that ill-starred day of July the 13th. July 13th. Today I bought a small capuchin monkey from an organ grinder. The animal trembled with fear when I took it into my laboratory, and when I tried to pet it, it bit me. I had to make it trust me completely. Fear causes an excess secretion of adrenaline, resulting in an abnormal condition of the bloodstream which would throw off my observations, so I fed it, and finally the creature voluntarily crept up into my arms, uttering little whimpers of content. When it laid its head against my shoulder, I stabbed it with a surgical lancet. It died instantly. Well, David, what do you think of it? Well, it's pretty amazing, all right. See what I've done, don't you? I I think so. You think so? Good Lord, don't you know? Well, after all, Dad, I'm only a second-year medical student. I know, but what if I was a second-year student? Who is it? It's me, Janet. Come in, darling. Patrick, Dr. Schrott is here to see you. Oh, come on in, Doctor. You know our son, David, of course. Yes, of course. How are you, my boy? Fine, thanks, Doctor. Well, Patrick, hard at it as usual, uh-huh. I see. Patrick, you didn't eat the lunch I sent in to well, you. Well, what is it this time, Patrick? A brain. What? A brain, a brain, a monkey's brain. Oh. What about the brain, Patrick? I've been trying to see how long I can keep the tissue alive. Oh, is that it in that jar? Oh, there's considerably more to it than just a jar, though. Want to see how it works? Is it still alive? In a way, yes. It's a fairly simple device, actually, Doctor. Variation on Corell's mechanical heart. The brain lies in a bath of blood serum. These 
rubber arteries affixed to the vertebral and internal carotid arteries of the brain. The blood substance is forced through the cycle of Willis to feed the tissue. Over here, I've installed a small rotary pump that forces the blood circulation, you see? But how do you know it's alive? It's very easy to determine. The brain, when functioning, gives off infinitesimal electrical impulses. They can be measured. As a matter of fact, I've hooked the encephalograph up to a small amplifying system. The brain impulses can actually be heard. Here, I'll turn it on. See? <laughs> Quite effective, isn't it? Yes, it's effective. And it's... It's wrong, Patrick. Terribly wrong. I tried wrong. to tell him, Dr. Schrott. In it's heaven's only... name, what's wrong with it? Oh, Patrick, you and your mechanistic philosophy, trying to reduce life to a mere matter of chemicals and test tubes. The origin of life is from a higher domain than that, Patrick. And you're profaning. Nonsense. You can't stop the progress of science. Every discovery of whatever kind is a step forward. If I can prove that the brain can perform certain functions outside the body... Who knows where we may be able to go from there. Oh, Patrick, how, how do you know that thing in there doesn't feel pain? How do you know it isn't writhing in agony? The brain tissue itself is insensitive, you know that. Just a feeling look. I'll switch on the encephalograph. See? There. Notice the faintness of the amplified alpha rays. Notice the comparatively slow rate of pulsation now. Notice what happens... I tap on the glass jar. See? Huh. It feels. It thinks. I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but it certainly shows marked reaction to an external stimulus. I wouldn't have believed it possible. <laughs> the trouble with you, Shrott, is that you don't really believe in science. Uh, have it your own way, Patrick. That's when you can manufacture love and sympathy and kindness in a test tube. I'll be back. You leaving, old boy? Yes. Patrick. Hmm? Do me a favor, Patrick. Shut off the pump and let that poor thing in there die. Let it die? Huh. If it were within my power to grant that little brain would live forever. <laughs> July 18th. I'm utterly exhausted from lack of sleep at the events of the past five days have been of such tremendous importance that I must set them down while every last detail is still fresh in my mind. I've had no time to make an entry in this record since that day last week. It seems a month ago now when I had my first partial success with the brain of the Capuchin monkey. At that time, however, it seemed that I was doomed to disappointment. In spite of all my efforts, the brain of the monkey ceased to live at 12.14 that night. Tired and disheartened, I lay down to sleep on the cot in my laboratory, but at that very moment, fate was contriving an occurrence which now seems destined to have the most profound effect not only upon my own existence, but perhaps upon that of all mankind. Huh? Hello? Oh, what is it? Dead. Oh, David. Come in, come in. What's the matter? It's Dr. Schrott. There's been an accident or something. Oh. He's pretty upset. All right, I'll come. Oh, Patrick. Oh, Patrick, Patrick thank heavens, my boy. What's the matter, boy? There's, there's been a plane crash on the mountain. Only one of them was left alive, and I've, I've brought him this far, but he, he needs an immediate operation. Oh, sorry, that's your job, your county physician. Mm. Patrick, it's it's multiple fractures of both legs. Oh, the arteries oh. are severed, and the legs will have to be amputated. Huh? 
you're not in any shape to do the job. Well, I... Well, that's not my fault. Take him to the Phoenix Hospital. I'm not going to take responsibility. Oh, it's too far. We'd we never it. get there in time. And Patrick, please, it, it may mean a man's life and... And, and I... your job as county physician. No, no, I'm not thinking of that. But it's, it's an important man. William H. Donovan. Donovan? Don... The Wall Street Donovan? Yes. You've got to help me, Patrick. Donovan... Hmm. What his chances? About even, if we hurry. Well, bring him in. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Thank you. You'd better get some things on, David. You may have to help. Yes, uh, and uh, we'll use the laboratory table. Before you go, put the instruments in the sterilizer. And don't forget the Geely saw. Right. Oh, but... But, uh, but what? I thought the Geely saw was only used for... For, for brain surgery. Hmm. Not always. Hurry. They'll bring him in out in the car. Okay, Dad. In here. That's right. Easy, does. Around the table, please. Yes, Doctor. Easy. Easy. You better get yourself a gown and gloves, Doctor. Right over there. You won't have time to scrub. Yes, thanks, Mm -hmm. Doctor. Bad, isn't he? Pulse rapid. Heart very faint. I wasn't sure. Uh, David, uh, yes, Dad. CC of adrenaline. David, one to one thousand to Venus. Right. You men can go now. Is there anything else? No, thank you, Patrick. Don't you? I'd rather we were alone, if you don't mind, gentlemen. Yes. Good night, then, Doctor Schrad. Doctor. Good night. Good night. Now, David. David, if you remove the blanket from his legs, that's it. All right. You see, fortunately, a forest ranger got to him right after the crash. Had sense enough to put a tourniquet on each leg. Even so, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. We'll get it. Sure, sure, sure. What's he saying? Something like, sure, sure, sure. He said it over and over. Huh. I hadn't realized he was deformed. It doesn't show as much in his pictures. Patrick, don't you think we ought to begin? Ah, there's no use amputating those legs. No use? He'll be dead anyway by morning. Well, won't it? Well, suppose you're right, Patrick. You know I'm right. But still, we ought to try. We can't refuse to operate. We are going to operate. Syringe, please, David, the large one. Here you are, Dad. Spinal anesthetic. Will you give it, Dr. Schrock? Right. Scalpel, please, David. Scalpel and the Geely saw... Gillesaw, Patrick. Well? No, 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 Patrick, I won't let you. After your performance tonight? Well, I have. But, Patrick, he's still alive. Precisely. My mistake with the monkey was that he was dead. I don't intend to make that mistake again. Come on, David, Patrick, the scalpel. Patrick, are you out of your mind? You're, you're, you're taking a man's life. I'm giving him life. Donovan would die anyway. But for a while, at least, Donovan's brain will live. <laughs> coming for the body pretty soon. Yeah, you can go now, David. I David, think I will, uh, then. You understand, of course? Yes, I understand. Not a word, not a word to your mother or to anyone. I understand. Yeah, did you put something in the skull cavity oh, so yes. the eyes won't fall? I filled it with cotton bandaged the whole cranium. It looked like any head injury. I hope nobody gets any ideas about an autopsy. You're the coroner. You can stop there. Look, Schrantz. This is a chance that comes once in a lifetime. William Donovan had one of the greatest minds, has one of the greatest brains in the world today. And now you have it. Uh, it's Turn on the encephalograph. Simple alpha waves, of course, no different from the monkeys. You can't take a human brain out of its body and expect it to function. I suppose not, but... Trot! Did it ever occur to you that the brain might simply be asleep? Asleep? Certainly. 
An operation like that is a severe shock. Tap on the glass. Good Lord, Patrick. Delta waves. It was asleep you woke it up. It, it's actually conscious. You see, you see, the three of us, three of us conducting this experiment now. You, me, and William Horace Donovan. July 25th, I moved my bed into the laboratory, but I've scarcely slept in six days. I mean no longer any doubt that the brain responds like a sensitive seismograph to vibrations near it, including the sound of my voice. Yet I've found no method of communication with it. I've devised a simplified Morse code consisting of taps on the glass container, together with voice vibrations. Perhaps, perhaps I can teach the brain. July 30th, Schrott has come to stay with me, half out of a feeling that he shares with me a common guilt, half out of scientific curiosity. I've scarcely seen him, and both David and Janice have been avoiding me, not that I really care. They've been tapping out my code on the side of the brain's container endlessly, day and night, over and over, a thousand times, so that a baby could learn it, if the brain can learn. I sleep only when the brain itself falls into exhausted slumber. When it wakes again, I resume my tapping. Trot! Trot! Yes. Wake up! Yes. Come on! What's Get up! Hurry! Come on, I want to show something you something. Yes, old boy, I want to show you something. Patrick, you look like a ghost. Where are we going? Back to the laboratory. I can't believe it myself. I... I may have been dreaming delirium. What's happened? Come on. You hear that? Delta waves. Seems disturbed. You've got to check my observations for me. If my reasoning is wrong, tell me. I can't be sure of anything anymore. Yes. Now listen carefully. You know that I've been trying to communicate with the brain code now. If I were able to cause a distinctive pattern of the brain's delta waves by a specific command in code, if the brain responded with the same pattern of sound each time I issued the command... It would prove that I'd succeeded in communicating with the brain, wouldn't it? Yes, Frederick, I think it would. Now, listen. Donovan! Donovan! If you understand, think three times of the word talk. Three times. Talk. Talk. It answered. It spoke. Then I'm right. It's true. This thing has learned to talk. To talk. July 31st, Charlotte's is romanticizing, of course. The Delta pattern is so infinitely complex that it would be utterly impossible ever to break it down into specific words, yet that it understands me, that it's trying to communicate with me, is certain. Schrott suggests mental telepathy, that I try to make my mind a blank, as the mediums call it, while at the same time increasing the energy content of the plasma that feeds the brain and the 
hope of stepping up the brain's electrical potential as one would step up the power of a radio station. Naturally, telepathy is nonsense, but the feeding theory intrigues me. I shall try it. August 12th. Notice today for the first time two distinct nodules of new brain cells on the frontal lobex. Electrical potential is increased to 510 microvolts. I, I, I've become smoking cigars. I, although I've always hated cigars before. Nerves, I expect. August 22nd, nodules still growing. Electrical potential 1450, but no observable results. Lately felt a compelling urge to know more of Donovan's life and have collected every available scrap of information about him. A strange man he was. Strange, ruthless, actually evil in many ways, but nonetheless an extraordinarily brilliant mind. You were moaning in your sleep, talking. Uh, talking? What did I say? I'm not sure, but your voice was so strange that... Janice, I... Janice, what's the matter? Oh, it's nothing, nothing. I was dreaming, that's all. Janice woke me up. Patrick, let me see your hand. My hand? You no, the other hand one. For? What about it? You're not left-handed, are you? No. Then why have you got ink on the fingers of your left hand? What? I don't know. Were you writing anything tonight? No. You must have been, Patrick. Here it is, right here on your desk. Nonsense. Wait, let me see it. Oh, you've been writing his name, William H. William Donovan. H. Donovan Schrott. That's not my handwriting. It's... What? Don't you see what it means? The brain has communicated with me. Patrick, you don't... Look here. Look at this magazine article. Here's a reproduction of his signature. And he was left-handed, too. It says so here. Why, it is. It, it oh, is exactly the what same. What a fool I've been. Look at this picture smoking a cigar. With his left hand, I wondered why it suddenly started smoking cigars. The same brand, too. Janice, try to remember what you heard me saying just before you woke me up. Come on, Janice. Think. Patrick, I, I can't believe... Think, Janice. All I heard was something like... Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Of course. Don't you remember, Schrott? He said it that night. It was the only thing we ever heard him say. It, it, it was an expression of his... It, Tell me about that in one of the articles, too. It, yes, there it is. It right wasn't there. your voice, Patrick. My voice, you see, the brain has grown. And it's strong enough to influence not only the higher functions of the frontal lobe, but the speech centers, the motor centers of another brain. Patrick, if this is true, then your experiment has been successful. It's ended. Ended? Oh, it's only begun. Patrick. Don't you see what this means? Patrick, listen to me. Oh, what, Janice? What? You've got to stop. Stop? I can't stand it any longer. Can't you see where it's led you? When you cut yourself off from your family, when you neglected your health, began having fits of temper and were like... like someone I hardly recognize as the man I married. All that I tried to understand. 
but don't you see what you've done? You are a murderer, Patrick, a murderer. Oh, Janice, darling. You told me the whole thing. That poor boy's half insane himself from worry. Insane? What do you mean by that? What I say. You killed Donovan. Janice. Maybe he wouldn't have lived anyway. But you killed him. And now this, this thing has gained such power over your mind that it can make you do things you don't even know about. For all you know, it could make you do anything. Anything. You've got to choose, Patrick. Oh, Janice, please. I suppose you're right, but I'm utterly exhausted. I can't even think anymore. You've got to think. Give me until tomorrow. Let me sleep, and then tomorrow I'll do something. I promise you. All right, Patrick. Tomorrow. But if you don't do something, if you don't destroy that this thing, I will. The brain. It's almost as though it heard you and were raging. Raging at you. <laughs> Please, Dr. Come along, darling. But, Patrick, why well, are we going in here? A psychiatric clinic? I told you I'd do something, Janice. I've, I've got an idea. You I... mean you're you're having yourself psychoanalyzed? Well... Something like that? Something like that. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. First, I want, I want you to talk to this man alone. Dr. Zanger, this is Dr. Corey. Oh, how do you do, Dr. Corey? How, how do you I've heard do, something Dr. Zanger? of your work. Oh, yes. And this is Mrs. Corey. Of course, excuse me. I'm happy to meet you, Mrs. Corey. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, won't you come in tomorrow? Uh, I, I will certainly. Janice, would you mind, darling, waiting in the reception room? I'll be out in just a moment. Thank you. Why, certainly, dear. In here, please, Doctor. Very well. Uh, doctor, she seems quite normal. I'd expected from what you told me on the telephone. That I... I know, I... I know, I, I... I can assure you, I... I... I hate to tell you this, but... Uh, doctor... She's quite insane. I see. Yes. Uh, uh, paranoia. She, she's always been, you know... Jealous of my work. And... Well, last little while she started. She's got a, a a delusion that she thinks I've made some kind of a monster in up in in my laboratory that controls my mind and then controls my actions. Huh. So I, I'm I'm putting her completely in your hands. Oh, well. It's, of course, a little unusual, but since you are yourself a medical man... That's right. Uh, you definitely wish to commit her, then, huh? Yes. Yes. You have the papers. Oh, yeah. Here you are. Uh, just your signature will be enough, though. Ah. There you are. Uh, you, you let me know about everything, won't you? Oh, naturally, Doctor. We keep yeah. you informed. Thank you. Well... Good time then, Dr. Corey. We, we'll do what we can. Oh, right. Uh, Patrick? Uh, Mrs. Corey is staying with us, Miss Wilcox. Yes, Dr. Zanger. Patrick? Come back! Patrick! Oh, it's all right, Mrs. Corey. Just come with me, please. Patrick! No. Where are you going? Let me go! Yes? Oh, about the bill. 
bill. How do you wish it to be handled? Uh, the bill? The... The bill? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I, I'll take care of it by the week. The checks will be signed to uh, William H. Donovan. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> August 20th. It's nearly three weeks now since Janice went away. I can't understand how she could have left me just when I needed her most. When I try to question Shrott or David about it, they only look at me strangely and change the subject. Clearly, they too now are in on the conspiracy. Sometimes it seems the only person I can trust is Donovan. The brain communicates with me more freely now each day. I know it has some great plan in mind for me, for both of us. I'm waiting, patiently waiting. Donovan, I, I'm listening, Donovan. Don't be angry, Donovan. I'm trying to understand. I, I'm listening, Donovan. I'm listening. I, I, I'm li <laughs> Sure. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I sit now outside my laboratory door, writing under the heading Experiment 87, this final entry in my casebook. I know that these are the last words I shall ever write upon this earth. For those who seek some explanation, I refer them simply to this casebook. Let them read it carefully. Perhaps they may then in some measure understand, if not condone, the awful circumstances under which I have been driven to the most appalling crime against God and nature that it has ever been the fate of mortal man to perpetrate. August 24th. It's now six weeks, exactly 42 days, since I began the experiment. For six weeks, by artificial means alone, I've kept alive a human brain, completely detached from the body, floating in a bath of serum nourished by a synthetic blood plasma fed through its arteries by an electric pump it has remained alive, not only alive, but I have succeeded in communicating with it. For I have even induced new growth of brain cells and so tremendously increased its mental faculties that by sheer brain power alone, it has actually been able to communicate its thoughts to me. And each day, my communion with that living, pulsing mass of gray matter that was the brain of William Donovan becomes stronger and stronger. Even now, I sense it striving to reveal some plan to me, something so truly world-shaking in its implications, that only such an organism, developed to a point thousands of years ahead of its time, could ever have conceived it. So far I sense this only, but soon I shall know, indeed I shall be partner in its execution. What a fool I was ever to have considered for a moment my wife's demand that I end the experiment. It's because I refused, of course, that Janice left me a week ago without so much as a word of explanation or farewell. Even my son David and my assistant Schrott are privy to this conspiracy to thwart me, for when I ask about Janice, 
They pretend to know nothing. They seek to avoid my questions. But the brain will live. Yes. I can hear it now. Its delta waves quite audible over the amplifying system I've arranged for it. Almost as though it were calling to me. Trying to speak to me. The brain will live. Donovan? What is it? What are you trying to tell me? Go on, Donovan. I'm listening. Go on. Go on. Go. Who is it? What do you want? I have no time to talk. I'm busy. I'm sorry. Go away, I tell you. I'm busy. Can't you two leave me alone? All right, all right. What is it? What is it? Patrick, won't you come into the study with us for a few minutes? What have you got to say to say right here? You know I can't leave the laboratory. Dad, it's only that well, we wanted to talk to you in, in private. Well, don't tell me that you're afraid of this poor mass of brain cells here. It's not that, Dad, but we... Well, never mind it. <laughs> At least turn that thing off then, will you, Patrick? <laughs> what difference would it make? Could still hear, couldn't it? Well, what is it then? Well, it's... It's about Mother. So... She put you up to this, did she? I thought the truth would come out sometime. Dad, listen. She's trying to stop this experiment from the beginning. She thought she could blackmail me into quitting by leaving me, and she still does. And now Patrick. she's using you as a go-between. Patrick, now, listen a minute, won't enough. you? enough. We haven't heard a word from Janice. We don't even know where she is. That's what we've come to talk to you about. Oh, have you? Well, how could I know where she is? Well, because you were the last person seen with her, Dad. I was. Don't you remember, Patrick? You took her into town with you. you. You wouldn't tell any of us why. Yes, of course, the moment I'd forgotten, but what of it? Well, don't you remember what happened then? Of course I remember. She left me, that's all. Where, Dad? Where did she leave you? Well, what I, were you doing? I don't know. We were in some big public building, city hall, courthouse, taxis and something. Next thing I knew, she'd simply disappeared. I, is that all? Didn't yes. she say anything? Didn't she at least tell you why she was going? No, no, I remember what she said. It's been a week or more. I've hardly slept. You know, I've been working night and day. Yes, that's just it. Patrick. What do you mean by that? Patrick, you say this. The, the brain communicates well, with you. Tells yes. you things about his past life. Suggests thoughts. Yes, Well, yes. if the brain can make you think of things, mightn't it also be able to make you forget things? You're out of your mind. Dad, are you sure... Are you sure you don't know what's happened to Mother? No, I tell you, no, but I don't Patrick, know. Patrick, don't you see what you might have done? What? Heaven's name, stop now while there's still time. Get out of here. While there's still time to help Janice, if there is. While there's still time to help yourself. Shut off the current. Get Let the brain out. die. Kill it, Patrick. Kill it. Get out, both of you. Get out. Get out. <laughs> August 26th, the brain continues to communicate thought fragments more and more easily, but nothing further on what I've come to think of as the plan. I'm now sleeping a great deal, but my dreams are becoming increasingly troublesome, although I'm at a loss to analyze them. Most frequent is a sort of vast cosmic ballet presided over by the colossal figure of a young man whom I seem to recognize, yet I never, never see his face. It's as though the entire population of the Earth were moving past him in review at his command. 
You're trembling all over. I, looking I at me that way for you. Look, look how frightened after death. Dad, you... What happened to you? Anyway, I came and found you on the floor. Your hands are out your own throat. Dad, Vincent. Why is your luggage all packed? I was going to leave. Leave? In the middle of the night? Why? Because the I... The fuse box has been opened. It was you, Shroft. You were going to shut off the current. You were going to kill the brain. Patrick, you tried to strangle me. What? True, Dad. That's why I had to slap you. But at the third, I came in here and found Shrott with his hands around his own throat. He was strangling himself. Dad, please think a minute. Nobody can strangle himself. Look at these marks on my throat. No. Do you think I could have done that? It's not possible, and yet... It's true, Patrick, that I tried to shut off the current. I was afraid for you. But as I opened the fuse box, I heard the delta waves in the laboratory suddenly become stronger and louder than they'd ever been before. And then... Then... Then I... Yes. Then the brain knew... You even spoke in Donovan's voice, Donovan's Patrick. Voice, his that voice. recurring phrase of his. Sure, sure, sure. In his very tones, his very accents. Yes, sure. You've created a monster, Patrick. It has the power to make me commit murder. The brain. The brain must die. Pull the switch in the fuse box, Patrick. It will only be a matter of seconds, yes. and then. Yes, I. I. But I. But I... Uh, You've got to, Patrick. Shrot, David, help me. I can't move. Come yes, here. Pull the switch, honey. Shrot, David, go on. You? You too? It's paralyzed, this Patrick. Huh? The brain won't let itself be killed. Then, then it has the power to live on. And on. To command us as long as we live. To make us do anything it wants. To kill. Murder. Dad. What are we going to do? Listen. Uh, it's brain. It's... Laughing. Laughing. September 7th, Schrott has left. He had to, of course, for his own protection, if nothing else. Before he left, he swore to eternal secrecy and was going to try to find Janice. The very thought that any harm might come to her through me is enough to drive me almost mad. As for David, although he's strong enough to prevent any untoward accidents, I don't know, he's, he's volunteered to stay with me. I, he'll sleep at night behind locked doors. We must devote every faculty we possess together and independently to finding a way of destroying the brain. Perhaps while it sleeps, although it seems to have developed tremendous powers of the subconscious which operate even in sleep. The recurring dream, the now oppressive sense of some further task to be performed continues. If Janice were only here, even her presence, I know, would help immeasurably to combat this fearful thing terrible thought crosses my mind. Could Trot have left if the brain 
had not, for some reasons of its own, actually wanted him to leave. September 10th. My thoughts are less and less my own. The dream of the young giant bestriding the earth. The figure without a face pursues me now, even in my waking hours. Increasingly, I seem to live in a world of evil fantasy, peopled and controlled by the mind of William Donovan. I've been half crazy worrying about you. Did Trot finally find you? Yes. Yes. Trot found me. Janice, why did you leave me that day? Why didn't you at least tell me? Where did you go, darling? I was with friends. Well, did Trot tell you anything? No. Nothing special. Well, Janice, I know I haven't been a very good husband these last months. I haven't been very kind or very considerate or even civilized. I, I haven't been myself, Janice. I know, Patrick. My... Poor if you only known how I missed you after you left, how I needed you. I need your help, Jenny. I Terrible. know, Patrick. Terrible. I, I came back to help you. But... But what? Where is David? Well, he's asleep in the next room. That is, lately he's tried to make the point to sleep only when I didn't. Tried to keep an eye on things. Patrick, I'm going to help you. All I can. Any way I can. But first, I uh, want to take David away. David? Why? Because I don't think it's good for him to be here. No? I don't think that you... Uh, Patrick, I don't want to torment you. It's only that perhaps we can find a way if we know all the facts. What, Janice? I... Don't you know, really, where I was? No, how could I? Don't you remember where you took me? Where I took you? I don't... You took me to a psychiatric clinic. You had me committed to a madhouse. Oh, Janice. No, that... Not you. Donovan. Donovan. But because I tried to make you stop the experiment. Yes. Kill the brain. As you left me there, you even spoke in Donovan's voice. Sure. Sure, sure, you said. Sure, sure. I thought they were the last words I would ever hear you speak. Oh, Janice, forgive me. Forgive me. I couldn't persuade anyone. I was sane. Oh, sweet. After what you told them, everything I said only made them think I was mad. I'm not mad. Am I, Patrick? I'm not mad. Am I? Am I? 
Janice will be gone for some three hours. I've sent her into town for Dr. Zanger, the psychiatrist. Maybe he can help, but now, suddenly, I'm... I, I'm... I'm... I'm overcome with the thought of the humiliation I shall have to suffer when other... other medical men become aware of the position I'm in. It'll be the end of my career and my reputation or my hopes. Folly to think that Zanger would keep it to himself, indeed. I... He'd have no right to. I, I I can bear it if I must, but another way, a possibility, occurs to me, and I've, I've been thinking it over. There's no harm in trying it in any event. I, I must try. I, I have three hours. David! David! Yes, sir? D- David, what's your blood type? Do you know your blood type? Matter of fact, I well, I don't think I do. Why? Uh, no matter. We'd easily find out. David, I, I think at last I know a way. To kill the brain? It's simple. It's perfectly natural. Yet nine chances out of ten is something Donovan has never known about. I, I'll do it myself. Unfortunately, my blood type and his are... Uh, they're the same. Transfuse? Uh, of course. I have to replenish the blood substance periodically. Anyway, it's about time to do it again. I, I've always used my own because it was the same type as his. But if, if yours is a different type. The right type, David. You mean the wrong type? You, you, yes, you've given the wrong... The brain... The, the brain will die, given the wrong type. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sure of that. I know it. But uh, suppose the brain yes. knows it, it knows other things. I, I, I've thought of that. It's a chance we'll have to take if you're willing, David, my boy. Of course I am. Then we'll take the blood sample now. Come into the laboratory. We only have the right blood type. Sure. Rather the wrong type. Now, if you have, we'll find someone who has maybe, maybe shot. Now, lie down there on the table, David. We, we want to turn a key on your arm here. Yeah, I'll a put small it on. syringe will do it. Go ahead. I'm, I'm ready. David, don't watch me. It'll be easier if you easier if you don't. For me. It's a funny one. Coming from you. Well, the doctors are never quite as steady with members of their own family, you know. Ready? Sure. Ready. There we are. You you all right? Yeah. Yeah. You be through in just a second. You getting it all right? Yes, sure, sure. Just a second now. Dad, I, I'm sleepy. You'll be over it in a minute. But what's the matter? Why am, why am I so sleepy? You'll be all right. Sleepy. So sleepy. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. That's what an anesthetic is for. Make you sleep. I was somewhat surprised to find the instrument sterilized, already laid out, but I worked more rapidly and skillfully than ever before in my life, I think. I made an incision just below the hairline, laying back the scalp as far as the base of the skull. I and the cranium at two centimeter intervals, working back and downwards to the upper edge of the occipital bone. With the Geely saw, I cut through the connecting bone structure and removed the entire top of the cranium, placing it in saline solution to preserve it. I made a semicircular incision in the dura mater, laying it to one side, exposing the brain. As I dissected out the facial, auditory, and pneumogastric nerves to free the medulla oblongata, I, I, 
I became conscious of an insistent clamoring, something like a mounting hysteria in the distant regions of my mind. Almost as strong as the irresistible compulsion that drove me on. But my hand did not falter. With a sure stroke, I severed the spinal cord just below the first cervical nerve. As I make this last entry with that awful guilt upon my soul, even now I cannot fully comprehend how it has been possible for any man by mortal or immortal means to be driven to such a crime. Even the divinity himself did not demand of Abraham that final sacrifice of expiation. When he, with his only begotten son, ascended the Mount of Olives, hmm. perhaps Schrott is right. Perhaps there is indeed in man some spark of the divine that will elude our test tubes and our laboratories until the end of time. Perhaps that is the one thing that even Donovan did not foresee. I only know that at the instant my son died under my own hand, I was set free. At that instant, I saw and understood for the first time that monstrous plan born in the brain of William Donovan, of which I was to be the instrument. It was the plan I had glimpsed but never grasped in the recurring dream. Donovan did aspire to the domination of the world. And with those tremendous mental faculties that I myself had given him, it was literally within his power to become the absolute ruler of all mankind. Only one thing was lacking, a body, a body, a young, strong body into which those ever-growing brain cells could graft and affix themselves to live on and on, perhaps, for centuries. He chose the body of my son, and now... My son... At last, too late. I am free to destroy this foul thing of my creation. I know it as surely as I know that my own life must be forfeit. And the brain also knows. I can hear the disturbed, erratic oscillations of the delta waves coming through the laboratory door. There's no room left in me now for fear. I shall take the six steps from the desk where I'm writing this across to the laboratory door. How often I've taken them in happier times. I shall open the door, close it behind me for the last time, and write finis to the mortal life of Patrick Arthur Corey and the brain of William Horace Donovan. The others learn from the record I leave here the lessons I've learned so bitterly and profit by them. And for the things that I have done, may God have mercy on my soul.
Phoenix, Arizona, September the 15th. The bodies of Dr. Patrick Arthur Corey and his son David were found in Dr. Corey's own laboratory early today. Young Corey had apparently died on the operating table as a result of a delicate brain operation performed by his father. In the case of Dr. Corey, medical authorities gave us their opinion that he might have died of shock as a result of the unsuccessful operation on his son. A curious feature of the case was the fact that numerous pieces of tissue identified as being from a human brain were found scattered about the laboratory floor, while a larger section of brain was found in the midst of an elaborate apparatus, evidently part of a scientific experiment. Medical authorities stated, however, that they were unable to explain the nature of the apparatus and that the brain itself was in such a state of decomposition as to indicate that it had been dead and slowly decaying for at least three months. Dr. Corey is survived by his wife, Janice. She was committed to the county asylum for the insane late this afternoon. The burial of Dr. Corey will be at the Mount of Olives Cemetery. This is the man in black, here again to introduce Columbia's program, Suspense. From Hollywood, we bring you as star, Mr. Orson Welles, who this evening begins a four-week engagement as guest of these proceedings. In the interest of prime suspense, Mr. Wells and the producer of this series have scheduled four radio stories which they feel are particularly distinguished in our chosen field. The first of these is The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell. And so with the performance of Orson Welles in the character of General Zaroff and Keenan Wynn as Sanger Rainsford, who learned from Zaroff what was the most dangerous game, we again hope to keep you in suspense. I'm going to kill him. It's him or me. And I'm going to do my best to make it him. Oh, maybe it sounds crazy to you. I guess it does. Would have sounded crazy to me a few days ago when I was with Whitney on the yacht. I was on a pleasure trip. Huh. A pleasure trip. How or I, how could I or anyone realize then the horror and torment I was to go through? How was I to know of Yvonne? And the death swamp? And the hounds? How was I to know of Zaroff? Think of it. It was only four nights ago that the ship went down. We'd been talking about this island, Ship Trap Island, Whitney said it was called in the charts. I was sleepy and started on down below to turn in. I was mixing myself a nightcap when I looked up and saw it. A tremendous reef racing at us out of the fog. I screamed out a warning, but it was too late. We were right upon it. of the explosion hurled me into the blood-warm waters. Terrified at the suddenness and surprise, my stomach weak and sick at the thought of the others. 
The sea was eddying furiously around the sinking remnants of the ship. And a certain cool-headedness came to me and made me swim desperately away, or I might not have lived to go through the horror which was soon to come. I struck out to the right in the direction of the island about which Whitney had been telling me. I had no recollection of how long I swam, but all at once I heard the muttering and growling of the sea breaking on the rocky shore. With my remaining strength, I dragged myself from the swirling waters. All in, gasping, my hands raw, I at last reached a flat place at the top. I flung myself down at the jungle edge and tumbled headlong into the deepest sleep of my life. When I awoke, I was in a strange place, having no idea how I had done it. Well, Ivan, our friend seems to be awakening. I... Where, where is this? Where am I? Do not Where's be alarmed, it? my friend. My man Ivan found you out on the cliff and brought you here to be taken care of. Oh, well, thank God there's life on this island. I hardly believed. Few people do. Yes, you are quite safe here in my castle, Mr... Uh, Rainsford. Uh, yes. Rainsford. I'm Sanger Rainsford of New York. Rainsford? Sanger Rainsford? Yes. Well, it is indeed a very great pleasure and honor to welcome you, Mr. Sanger Rainsford. You're the celebrated hunter, are you not? Yes, yes. You know me? Uh, by reputation only. I've read your book about hunting snow leopards in Tibet, you see. My name is General Zaroff. I am not English, Mr. Rainsford, but I went to a good school. Perhaps you recognize the colors of my tie. Uh, no, it makes no difference. I've lived too long in the jungle to be a snob. Well, I... <laughs> I can't tell you how happy I am to meet you, General. And I can't tell you how happy I am to meet you, Mr. Rainsford. But come, we shouldn't be chatting here. We can talk later. You must be hungry. Yes, I am, rather. What? Uh, Ivan thought you'd like a robe. He's drying your clothes for you. Oh, thank you. Ivan's an incredibly strong fellow, but you mustn't mind his looks. His ears were cut off in battle, and he has the misfortune to be deaf and dumb. He is sensitive about his appearance. A simple fellow, really, but I'm afraid a bit savage. Oh? He's been in our family for years. <laughs> Follow Ivan, if you please, Mr. Rainsford. I was about to have my luncheon just before you awoke. You can have it together now. Does the robe fit you all right? Oh, yes, yes, perfectly, thanks. I'm so glad. You uh, have quite a collection of heads here. Lions, tigers, mm. elephants, moose, bears. Oh, I don't believe I've ever seen a more perfect specimen. They are nice. I take great pride in them. You have good cause. Coming from you, Mr. Rainsford, that is a great compliment. Here we are. You sit over there. Thank you. Not at all. Right, Ivan. <laughs> we do our best to preserve the amenities of civilization here. Please forgive my lapses. Oh, of course. Yes. Well off the beaten track, you know. Uh, Shushu. 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is my little pet, Mr. Rainsford. As a hunting falcon, Shushu is of no further usefulness in the field. But I'm fond of its company. Am I not, little sweetheart? <coughs> Patience, my darling. I know you're hungry, my dear. We hunt tonight. Your, uh, <laughs> your heads are really remarkable, General. Mm. That, uh, <laughs> that Cape Buffalo is the largest I've ever seen. Ah, uh, that fellow. He's a monster. Mm. Did he charge you? Hurled me against a tree, fractured my skull, left me the scar... And I got the brute. I've, uh, I've always thought the Cape Buffalo is the most dangerous of all games. Oh, uh, no, no, you're wrong. Wrong, sir. 
The Cape Buffalo is not the most dangerous game. Ivan, the wine. Uh, how does he understand you? He reads my lips. Think you like this champagne, Mr. Rainsford? Ivan chills it expertly. Uh, no, no, the, the Cape Buffalo is not the most dangerous game. Here in my preserve on this island, I hunt more dangerous game. Oh, is there a big game on this island? The biggest. Oh, really? Oh, it isn't here naturally, of course. I have to stock the island. Uh, what have you imported, General? Uh, jaguars? Mm, jaguars. I hope you like filet mignon, Mr. Red. I do very much, thank you. Uh, is it jaguars, General? No, 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 no. Hunting jaguars ceased to interest me some years ago. I exhausted their possibilities, you see. I... No thrill left in jaguars, you understand? No real danger. I live for danger, Mr. Rainsford. <clears throat> we will have some capital hunting. You and I. I shall be most glad to have your company. Yes, but I'll tell you, you'll be amused, I know. I think you may say in all modesty that I've done a rare thing. Yes, I've invented a new sensation. May I pour you another glass of champagne, Mr. Rainsford? Thank you, General. God makes some men poets. Some he makes kings, some beggars. Me, he made a hunter. My hand was made for the trigger. My father once said that. Made for the trigger. My whole life has been one prolonged hunt. I've hunted every kind of game in every land. It'd be impossible for me to tell you how many animals I've killed. Grizzlies in your Rockies, crocodiles in the Ganges, rhinoceroses in East Africa. This in Africa, by the way. That Cape Buffalo hit me and laid me up for six months. Mm. As soon as I recovered, I started for the Amazon to hunt jaguars, for I'd heard they were unusually cunning. <laughs> they weren't. They were no match at all for a hunter with his wits about him, the high-powered rifle. I was bitterly disappointed. I was lying in my tent with a splitting headache one night. A terrible thought pushed its way into my head. Hunting was beginning to bore me. And hunting, remember, had been my life. I've heard that in America, businessmen often go to pieces when they give up the business that's been their life. Yes, yes, I think uh, so. I, I had no wish to go to pieces. <laughs> I, I, I must do something. Uh, now, mine is an analytical mind, Mr. Rainsford. Doubtless... That is why I enjoy the problems of the chase. Oh, no doubt, General. So I asked myself why the hunt no longer fascinated me. You are much younger than I am, Mr. Rainsford, and have not hunted as much, but you perhaps can guess the answer. Well, what is it? Simply this. Hunting had ceased to be what you call a sporting proposition. It had become too easy. I always got my quarry. Always. It's no greater bore than perfection. Cigarette? No, thank you. Uh, no animal had a chance with me anymore. Not a chance. That is no boast. It is a mathematical certainty. The animal had nothing but his legs and his instinct. Instinct is no match for reason. When I thought of this, it was a tragic moment for me, I can tell you. It came to me as an inspiration, what I must do. And that was? I had to invent a new animal to hunt. A new animal? Oh, you're joking. Not at all. I never joke about hunting. I needed a new animal. I found one. So I bought this island, built this castle, and here I do my hunting. The island is perfect for my purposes. There are jungles with a maze of trails in them, hills, swamps. Yes, but the terrain. animal, the animal, General Zara. It supplies me with the most exciting hunting in the world. 
No other hunting compares with it for an instant. Every day I hunt. I never grow bored now. For I have a quarry with which I can match my wits. Yes, but you still have I wanted the ideal animal to hunt, so I said, what are the attributes of an ideal quarry? And the answer was, of course, it must have courage, cunning, and above all, it must be able to reason. Well, no animal can reason. My dear fellow, there is one that can. One? You can't mean... And why not? Well, I... I can't believe you're serious, General Zaroff. You're just joking. Joking? I'm quite serious. Speaking about hunting. Hunting? You're speaking about murder. Oh, dear me, that unpleasant word. I think I can show you that your scruples are quite ill-founded. Yes? I hunt the scum of the earth. Sailors from tramp ships, Laskars... Japs, mongrels, a thoroughbred horse, a hound is worth more than a score of them. But these are men. Precisely, that is why I use them. It gives me pleasure. They can reason after a fashion, so they are dangerous. But where do you get them? We visit my training school. It is in the cellar. I have about a dozen pupils down there now. They're from the Spanish park San Lucar that had the bad luck to go with the rocks up there. A very inferior lot, I regret to say. Poor specimens, more accustomed to the deck than to the jungle. Another glass? No. It's a game, you see. It's a sort of game. I, I suggest to one of them that we go hunting. I give him a supply of food and uh, an excellent hunting knife. I give him three hours' start. I am to follow, armed only with a pistol of the smallest caliber and range. If my quarry eludes me for three whole days, he wins the game. If I find him, he loses. Suppose he refuses to be hunted. Oh, I give him his choice, of course. He need not play that game if he does not wish to. If he does not wish to hunt, I turn him over to Ivan. Mm. Ivan once had the honor of serving as official knouter to my old king, and he has his own ideas of sport. Invariably, Mr. Rainsford, invariably they choose the hunt. And if they win? Uh, to date, I have not lost. I do not wish you to think me a braggart, Mr. Rainsford... Many of them afford only the most elementary sort of problem, I assure you. Occasionally, I strike a tartar. <laughs> she, she remembers the tartar, don't you, darling? Yes. yes, he almost did win. I eventually had to use the hounds. You see? Wait a moment. I'll open the window. Hello, boys! <laughs> <laughs> Rather good lot, I think. They're let out at seven every night. If anyone should try to get into my castle or out of it, something extremely regrettable would occur to me. Uh, but enough of this. Come, I want to show you a collection of heads I'm quite sure you've never seen before. Join me in the library for coffee. I uh, hope that you will excuse me tonight, General. Oh. I, I'm really not feeling well at all. Indeed. I know what it is. My old complaint. <laughs> Ennui, boredom. You need some excitement. Tonight we'll hunt. Hey, Mr. Rainford. You and I. 
You're wrong, General. I won't hunt. I won't murder. As you wish, my friend. The choice rests entirely with you. But may I not venture to suggest that you will find my idea of sport more diverting than Ivan's? My dear fellow. You don't mean that you plan to hunt me. My dear fellow. Have I not told you? I always mean what I say about hunting. This is really an inspiration. I drink to a foeman worthy of my steel at last. I simply can't believe this must be some sort of dream. You'll find the game worth playing, Mr. Rainsford. Think of it, your brain against mine, your woodcraft against mine, your strength, your stamina against mine. Outdoor chess. (laughs) And the stake is not without value, eh? And if I win... I'll cheerfully acknowledge myself defeated if I do not find you by midnight of the third day. My sloop will place you on the mainland near a town. Oh, you can trust me. I give you my word as a gentleman and a sportsman. Of course, you in turn must agree to say nothing of your visit here. I will agree to nothing of the kind. Oh. Oh, Well, in that case... Hmm, But why discuss that now? Uh, Three days hence, we can discuss it over a bottle of Veuve Clicquot, unless... uh... Well... Your choice, Mr. Rainsford. I'm a hunter. You know my choice. Mm-hmm. Ivan here will supply you with hunting clothes, food, and knife. I suggest you wear moccasins. They leave a poorer trail. I suggest, too, that you avoid the big swamp in the southeast corner of the island. We call it Death Swamp. This quicksand there. Well, I must beg you to excuse me now. We always take our siesta after our lunch. Don't we, Shushu? <laughs> God, my little pet. You'll hardly have time for a nap, I fear, Mr. Rainsford. Uh, You'll want to start, of course. I shall not follow till dusk. Hunting at night is so much more exciting than by day, don't you think? Well, au revoir, Mr. Rainsford. I'd fought my way through the bush for two hours, repeating to myself over and over again, I must keep my nerve, I must keep my nerve. My whole idea at first was to put distance between myself and General Zarov. And to this end, I had plunged along through the thicket spurred on by the sharp rowls of something very much like panic. Now I had got a grip on myself. I'd stopped. I was taking stock of the situation. I saw that straight flight was futile. Inevitably, it would bring me face to face with the sea. Well, I'll give him a trail, I muttered. And I struck off from the rude path I had been following and into the trackless wilderness. I made a series of intricate loops. I doubled back on my trail again and again, recalling all the lore of the fox hunt, all the dodges of the fox. Night found me exhausted, my hands and face lashed by the branches on a thickly wooded ridge. My need for rest was imperative, and I thought, I played the fox, now I must play the cat of the fable. A big tree with a thick trunk and outspread branches was nearby, and taking care not to leave the slightest mark, I climbed up and stretched out among the broad limbs. Rest brought me new confidence and almost a feeling of security. Even so expert a hunter as General Zaroff cannot trace me here, I assured myself. An apprehensive night crawled slowly by, my mind keenly alert for any sound, any warning. Towards the dawn, an instinct I never knew existed, like an animal must possess, impelled me to look far off in the distance in a westerly direction. Sure enough, following the trail with the sureness of a bloodhound came General Zaroff. 
Nothing escaped those searching black eyes. No crushed blade of grass, no bent twig, no mark, no matter how fine in the moss. My heart pounding furiously, I slid down quickly from the tree and struck off again into the woods. I knew I had to do something desperate. I knew that I had little time in which to do it. Three hundred yards from my hiding place, I stopped where a huge dead tree leaned precariously on a smaller living one. Throwing off my sack of food, I took my knife from its sheath and began to work with all my energy. The job was finished at last. And I threw myself down behind a fallen log 300 feet away. I did not have to wait long. I, too, have hunted in Malacca. You are proving interesting, Mr. Rainsford. Mm. Very interesting. The tree brushed my shoulders. I jumped back. I'm going to have the wound rest. It's only slight. But I shall be back, Mr. Rainsford. I shall be back. flight now, a desperate, hopeless flight that carried me on for hours. I don't know where I got the strength. I kept telling myself over and over again that I must keep my nerve, that I was competing with a monster, a super huntsman. Dusk came, then darkness, and still I managed to press on. The ground grew softer under my moccasins, the vegetation grew ranker, denser. Insects bit at me savagely. Suddenly, as I stepped forward, my foot sank into the ooze. I tried to wrench it back, but the muck sucked viciously at my foot like a giant leech. With a violent effort, I tore my foot loose. I knew where I was then. Death swamp and its quicksand. But the softness of the earth had given me an idea. I stepped back from the quicksand a dozen feet or so and began to dig. When the pit was above my shoulders, I climbed out and from some hard saplings cut stakes and sharpened them to fine points. These stakes I planted in the bottom of the pit with the points sticking upwards. As fast as I could, I wove a rough carpet of weeds and branches and with it covered the mouth of the pit. And wet with sweat and aching with tiredness, I crouched behind the stump of a lightning-charmed tree. Oh, I knew Zaroff was coming. I could hear the paddling sound of his feet on the soft earth. Zaroff was coming, and coming fast. He was not feeling his way along, foot by foot. Crouching there, I couldn't either see him nor see the pit. I lived a year and a minute, frozen, every muscle tensed. Score. I think, Mr. Rainsford, 
I'll see what you can do against my whole pack. I'm going back to get them now. Thank you for a most amusing evening. <laughs> daybreak, lying near the swamp, I was awakened by a sound that made me know I had new things to learn about fear. It was a distant sound, faint and wavering, but I knew it. It was the baying of a pack of hounds. I could do one of two things. I could stay where I was and wait. That was suicide. I could flee. That was postponing the inevitable. I had put my very last hope into that tiger pit. For a moment, I stood there thinking. All at once, an idea that held a wild chance came to me, and tightening my belt, I headed away from the swamp. The being of the hounds drew nearer. They would be on me any minute now. My mind worked frantically. I thought of a native trick I had learned in Uganda. I caught hold of a springy young sapling, and to it fastened my hunting knife with the blade pointing down the trail. With a bit of wild grapevine, I tied back the sapling. Then I ran for my life. Hounds raised their terrifying voices as they heard them and felt the fresh scent. I knew then how an animal at bay feels. At last, I had to stop to get my breath. The being of the hounds stopped just as suddenly. And with it, my heart stopped too. They must have reached the knife. Excitedly, I shinned up a tree and looked back. My pursuers had stopped all right. But the hope that had been in my brain when I climbed died. For in the shallow valley, I saw that General Zaroff was still on his feet. But Ivan was not. Apparently, he had come along to hold the hounds. The knife, driven by the recoil of the springing tree, had splintered through his chest. I'd hardly tumbled to the ground when the pack took off the cry again. Nerve, 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 I panted as I dashed along. A blue gap showed between the trees dead ahead. The hounds were almost on top of me. I forced myself on towards that gap. I reached it. It was the shore of the sea. Across a cove, I could see the gloomy gray stone of the castle. Twenty feet below me, the sea rumbled and hissed. I hesitated. I heard the hounds. Then I leaped far out into the sea. good to me. And I'm here safe in the general's bedroom waiting for him. Three days are up, and I've eluded him. But now I must go further. In a moment, we will meet, he and I, and he will be unarmed. Only one of us is going to live. You understand that now. Uh, quiet, Shushu. Shushu! You must be patient, dear. You must forgive me. You're hungry, I know. <laughs> Shushu. Rainsford. General. Rainsford. How on earth did you get here? I swam. I found it easier and quicker than walking through the jungle. I congratulate you. You've won the game. Oh, no, General. I'm still a beast at bay. Here. Get ready, General Zaroff. Swords? Yes. Two of them. I see. Oh, very good. Very good, Rainsford. One of us, then, is to furnish a repast for the hounds. The other will sleep in this... this very excellent bed. Excellent. On guard, Rainsford! Ha, ha, ha! 
was just as my late host said it would be. A very excellent bed. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, We will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.